Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet whose microwave can't seem to keep time. Have y'all noticed the microwave in this new house? Yeah, it's like yeah. 20 minutes off. I like, know, it was so far ahead. I have reset minute. it like three times. I have two, seriously. It keeps skipping ahead. In, it's like it's in... The, look, I'm not trying to say that there's a quantum disturbance centered <laughs> on our new house or anything. I just think it's a little weird, okay? So, yeah. It's the Noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Tripp and Corbin. And, and we're, we're the, the Noobs. And this is the podcast that introduces a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. So welcome to episode number 60. It's a classic Who connection covering the second Doctor. Specifically this week, we're going to be looking at and talking about season number two. podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. So welcome to episode number 138 again, <laughs> covering series nine, episode 11, Heaven Sent. This is the one where the Doctor and Clara, I mean, just the Doctor, sort of. Well, I mean, yeah. With like a ghost image of Clara, fight an evil ghost thing yeah. for like two billion years. Oh, and he thinks it's a Christmas gift. <laughs> yes, Trip Corbin, rather, I did that despite Dad friggin' nitpicked me for saying two billion instead of four billion. <laughs> it was actually four point five. I don't give a flying <laughs> crap, okay? I can tell. Uh, this was story number 261, originally airing November 28th, 2015, to 6.19 million viewers, written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Rachel Talele. You have every said time. that every <laughs> single time. Like the 20 times that you said that name. <laughs> uh, this is the, uh, under miscellaneous trivia, this is the first time in New Who that only one name appeared in the opening credits. Anybody want to guess why? Because there's no one else. There's only like oh, one, yeah. one character who's actually yeah. in this episode. The yeah, there's three characters that appear in the episode, but two of them are figments of his imagination. Yeah. Uh, sort of. One of them is literally only seen in his mind palace, and then the other one is... Maybe not real. Anyways, we'll get into that later. Yeah. (laughs) At 4.5 billion years, this is the single longest adventure the Doctor has ever been on. We can debate that later. Yeah. Okay. I think we did last time. Uh, The first time the Doctor sees a skull, he says that it must have belonged to one of his predecessors, meaning, in his mind, another prisoner. Because he said, I wasn't the first prisoner here. He thinks the skull was one of the previous prisoners and as it turns out he was even more right than he knew because as Mm -hmm. i had to explain to brayden watching it this time that's his skull (laughs) um in addition he was even more right than we might have known because the skull on a production level the skull prop or props because i guess there was actually like dozens of them made yeah were based off of a computer model of or not a computer model uh, yeah, okay. They took a mold of Capaldi's head mm-hmm. and worked backwards yeah. to make a skull. Mm. So I when they do when the they do fade that. shot from his a close-up of his attack eyebrows to the skull, yeah, like that's as realistic as it could be because it was literally, well, as close to his skull as we'll get before he dies. Yeah. If that makes sense. Actually, now, wait a minute. All of a sudden now I can't remember because I, I didn't I didn't dig into it as hard this time and I can't remember what we talked about last time. Was it an MRI of his head or was it a mold of his head and they worked backwards? Well, I don't uh, know. I can't remember now. MRI would make know. more sense, I think. But. Yeah, all of a sudden now I'm thinking that they actually did a 3D anyways. Wait, is this based uh, on the skull? No. No? No. No. I mean, it's like a similar concept. No. But <laughs> It's really not. Unless I'm no. not remembering that story at all, but like... You may not be, but stop. Because, <laughs> spoilers. Um, yeah. Yeah, side note on that one. We thought we discovered that the short story, The Skull, that we're going to be covering on an upcoming Timey Wimey, we thought we discovered a movie based on that, and we actually yeah. discovered a movie based on another story <laughs> called The Skull uh, that is a horror flick. Yeah. But I forgot any, to say, it's starring Peter Cushing. Yeah, from oh, 1965, yeah. starring Peter Cushing. Um, and uh, Christopher Lee, uh, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. much younger Christopher Lee. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so the cast, uh, The Veil, 
the Veil is the name of the, the baddie of the week that we'll get into in a little bit. That was played by Jamie Reed Quarrel, and he was Colony Sarf. Nice. Y'all remember the pile of snakes guy? Uh, this was him. No. Colony Sarf. The, the dude that the, was total. He was made he was out of a snakes. Colony of snakes. What? You don't remember this episode? No. Just recently, he was hunting down the doctor. He was trying to find the doctor, and like his face looked all weird. Like there were lines across his face, and then it yeah, turns out the lines across his face were because he was a coiled up pile of snakes. What episode was this trip? Am I going insane? Is this the one that Corbin missed? Yeah, this was the one that Corbin okay. missed. Okay, I was gonna say, <laughs> what the crap? Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to go back. <laughs> you need to go back and watch that one because yeah, that was amazing. That was Colony good. Sarf was a great uh, baddie of the week. He will also be back. Uh, J- Jamie, not Colony Sarf. Uh, Jamie Reed Quarrel will be back next week as another baddie of the week. Another mm. uh, another uh, dude in a costume. The first time yeah. he had he had like amazing makeup. Um, oh, that was makeup. I thought it was like CGI or something. Well, I mean, when his face like pulled apart. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. CGI. Hearing but, y'all like, describe this just sounds like a <laughs> fever dream. It kind of looks like one too. Um, imagine a guy's face made of a coiled up snake. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to. But it's like because sealed the doc- together. Your Doctor Who team gave uh, us exactly yeah. what it would look like. Anyways, guys, News in the Whovian is brought to you by Google Fi. That's right, Google Fi. Google has a cell phone service that they started a few years back. We've been using them ever since. $20 a month gets you unlimited talk, unlimited text, and then you pay for your data, $10 per gig, or really a penny per meg, and uh, you only pay for what you use. If you use, uh, you know, 101 megs, you'll pay, uh, what is that, like a dollar and one cent. (laughs) That's it. Uh, So, um, and actually something I've never mentioned before, but they do have like a cap, like at a certain point, if you hit, and I forget what it is, it's we have fourteen. Gigs. We have four lines, and yeah, for our plan, I think it's like fourteen gigs. If you reach fourteen gigs, they just stop charging you. Yeah, and it's free after that, basically. So it's kind of like a reverse unlimited plan. It's really interesting. <laughs> uh, so head over to noobsinthehoovian.com/fi, and you can get twenty dollars off after your first month. Go get some awesome cell phone service today. All right, so a new section just for today: deja vu. Haven't you guys done this one before? Yes, we have. Uh, so I wanted to talk here a minute about um, technically episode 59.5. It was, <laughs> yeah. We labeled it as 138. Oh, Corbin, if I get out, if I start getting out of here without talking about the numbering of 138, please remind me before I move on mm-hmm. to the checklist. Uh, so back in the summer of 2019, we heard about the upcoming 10th anniversary showing of The End of Time that was going to be playing in theaters for the 10th anniversary in early August. The problem was, according to our show schedule, we were going to get to the end of time and watch it and cover it a couple of weeks prior to when it was coming into the theaters. And I was like, no, this this cannot stand. We have to, like, we need to stall and push and bump a little bit. And so that's what we decided to do. We padded out the schedule. We did a couple of extra timey-wimeys, I think. Um, we had an interview with Jared that I think was originally going to be like a 0.5 episode. Yeah. And we decided, you know what? It's it's kind of a full episode anyway. Yeah. So we released that as a full episode. And then we decided to dust off an idea that was originally intended for our 50th episode. Do you guys remember that that's what that, yeah. that idea was originally? Yeah. We were going to do episode 50. We were going to call it a flash forward episode. And we were going to uh, jump ahead and do an episode that would have been a, at that time, like a couple of years in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we really got elaborate. We were going to like, uh, we were going to throw in some incidental stuff about trip being in high school and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all this kind of stuff, um, age them up a little bit, those kinds of things. And the idea, I forget why, I think it just, it just got to be a bit much. And so we said, ah, let's do something else for the 50th anniversary, uh, 50th, yeah. 50th anniversary, 50th episode. And then if memory serves, we decided to just do nothing. Yeah. Uh, we just went, oh, it's the 50th We episode. said, hey, 50 episodes. And just kept on going. Um, but uh, the thing is, the, the reason that we were going to do that, and, and so we just decided to do it then, uh, we had actually watched Heaven Sent back in 2017, a few months before Noobs and the Hooving got started. Actually, before I even had the idea. Because otherwise, I wouldn't let y'all watch it. <laughs> so I had seen this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of, of all of Doctor Who. Um, 
And because you don't really need a lot of backstory on Doctor Who to understand this story, I told Corbin, hey, why don't you come watch this episode with me? I think you'll enjoy it. It's kind of trippy. And he was like, cool. We sat down and we watched it. I think I maybe told you like enough about the doctor to, to get up to speed. Um, or you probably already knew enough, really. I mean, yeah. there's enough in the zeitgeist to know about the doctor. Yeah. Trip came down for like the last couple of minutes. And it was must have been five minutes. The, the montage at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Thoroughly confused. But, and, and I kind of was like, Trip, you don't want to watch this because none of this is going to make sense. And he was like, no, no, it looks really cool. And so you watched it. And um, it kind of spoiled the ending somewhat for yeah. our 2019 viewing. So in 2019, we ended up doing uh, that flash forward episode. We said, hey, why don't we watch it again? Uh, Trip can see it, you know, from beginning to end yeah. and actually understand it. <laughs> and we'll cover it and we will uh, jokingly do it as though it's, you know, an episode from the future that has, you know, slipped back through the, the time vortex or whatnot. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, we, so we had a show schedule back then and if we had stuck with the show schedule we had back then, it would have been episode 138. Now, what I cannot understand to this day is we have made so many changes to the schedule. First of all, I think back then, I don't even know if we were doing classic who episodes. Probably not. Or no, 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 we were because we, Jared came to visit us. During yeah. that time. So he was already doing that. So we were already doing timey wimeys. We were already doing classic who's, but we have done other things where we had to pad out the schedule to, to sync up with something yeah. that was going to happen or, um, you know, like we missed a week here or there and, you know, different things. And so what's crazy is as we were coming up on this, um, I, when I looked, when I looked ahead at the schedule a few months ago, they were nowhere near lining yeah. up with episode 138. And I was like, man, what are we going to do about that? And then we shuffled some things around again. And whatever happened, we got within a few weeks. And I think it was going to be like episode 136 <laughs> yeah. or something like that. So again, I went in and I massaged the uh, schedule a little bit. And I think um, the fact that we co- we ended up covering – there was like a two-parter that we covered as a, as individuals. Oh, yeah. And then there was the – I don't know. There was, there was a couple of different things. So once again, we massaged the schedule just enough, just enough. I think we did the timey-wimey a little earlier than we were going to yeah. or whatever um, and did some stuff last season that, boom, here we are. We actually <laughs> synced back up uh, some like 18 months later. because this, this time was, vortex, we synced it up. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So we, were, we are uh, August of 2019 – to now January of 2021. Uh, yeah. We actually made it work. Holy cow. Holy cow. It's 2021, guys. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's that brings sense. us down to the checklist. So the name of the episode spoken in dialogue, no. Yeah. And can yeah. I say, I don't get the title. Yeah. I guess it makes more sense in correlation with the name of the next episode, assuming that makes any sense. Um. Yes. Okay. The next, The title of the next episode makes sense. But I, I don't really get the title of this one. What it has to do with anything? I, I, yeah, I can't. It's not even really that one line where he was like, yeah. "Hell is just heaven for bad people," or right, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand what this, uh, what this title is getting at. So if yeah, anybody has any know. ideas, wants to clue me in a little bit, I, I welcome it. So the creature of the week was the veil, literally the doctor's worst nightmare. Yep. As it turns yeah. out, because. I'm a little bit confused on how the confession dial works because he was actually in there. Yeah. It's not like it was a dream state or something. He was literally in there. Time was literally passing within the, uh, the confession dial, but, um, but, it, but so was the veil real? I guess. And it was uh-huh. like it, by the way, at the end of the episode, when, when it finally, or not the end of the episode, when it finally caught him the first time, we saw it beam away very much like the transporter. Yeah. The, the, the same transporter effect that we saw at the end of the last episode that beamed him into the confession dial was the same type of thing that beamed the veil out of there. I don't. It was the same special know. effect. So I'm, I'm not sure if this thing was real and yet it was, it, but still it was somehow manifested from his nightmares of the old woman who died and 
they wrapped her in veils, but huh. the flies came. Yeah, it was very creepy. Um, so uh, speaking of creepy, can we talk about those hands? Yeah, <laughs> those were not not <laughs> nice. They were not. <laughs> they were not nice. That is correct. <laughs> they were uh, misshapen and out of proportion. And by the way, what was the deal with them? Like burning know. his face. Like every yeah. time they touched his face, it was like, like. It was just searing Reminded him with a hot poker. Reminded me of like the poker. silence hands. It it did have a little bit of that to it. Yeah, a little bit of that flavor in there. Oh, oh. don't say flavor. Oh, why don't you say that? Uh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, a couple of times, you have to imagine that while the doctor was talking oh. and he wrapped his fingers around <laughs> no. the doctor's face, that at least one time, one of those big floppy fingers went in the doctor's face. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, they were probably big just rubber. So. so what did it taste like? No, I don't mean production level. I mean in-universe. Well, yeah, in-universe, yeah. but... Yeah. Uh, so, Jiggery Pokery, uh, the Sonic. Why didn't he use the Sonic on the door? Okay, first of all, let me answer... Let, help me out, guys. Didn't he use the Sonic sunglasses at some point in this episode? Yeah, to, to measure see the what wall. the thing was made That's, out of. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't he use them on the door? It was wood. Duh. It was it. But the lock wasn't wood. Yeah. The lock was metal. Also, something about that interaction implied that the door is unlocked sentient. itself. Yeah. Not just that it's sentient, but it has the ability to unlock itself, even though that is entirely metal inside the door, not no, no, related no. to the door at the all. Doors oh, that's true. <laughs> are actually born in like like tortoises. <laughs> so also, they're grown. Yeah. yeah. I just love he refers <laughs> to this as a trick he used to know how to do. He's like, what kind of trick is this? You can speak to doors? Yeah. <laughs> make them unlock. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, would you call it a trick if you like, you know, he can speak baby. That's not a trick. He just yeah. knows a language. You know, like apparently he can also communicate with doors. Through and what's, what's really weird. You can't just say it's psychic and then that makes it all yeah, fine. I don't know. Yeah, that was the other thing was he, he said something about when I was younger and psychic. Wait. Not uh, yeah, psychic okay, anymore? First of all, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then second of all, uh, if it's a psychic trick, why are you talking? Other than for the benefit of the audience listening. <laughs> so but, we can understand how he just meh. unlocked a door with his mind, but. I, yeah, what? yeah, and I guess well, okay, and I guess when he got to the end of it, he said, "See Clara," and and then you know was like, "Oh, sad." Uh-huh. Yeah. Does that does that make it make sense though? No, but still, it it makes it make sense in as much as if he is still talking, as though he has a companion following him. Oh, okay, yeah. Then then that makes sense. But and it's not like breaking I, the fourth wall or something. It, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard with an episode with essentially one character. Yeah, because he shouldn't be you, talking at all. Yeah, because normally in a, in a story, you always have the, the character that's supposed to be us. So yeah. they're the ones that are like, what? How does a sonic screwdriver work? Um, <laughs> and then they have to do the exposition of explaining it, but it makes sense because you're talking to a character. But this time, yeah, it's like, what? Um, that's kind of like, remember I said, this is not, breaking the fourth wall seems to be just the 12th Doctor's catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> that and shut up. Um, it's like, when he did the whole uh, bootstrap paradox mon- uh, monologue, yeah, yeah like, he was definitely talking. When did that happen camera. in universe? Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, Clara was in the bathroom or something. <laughs> he was just <laughs> monologuing. <laughs> she, yeah, you hear the toilet flush, and she comes out with paper towels in her hand. It's like, wait, you weren't here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? <laughs> uh, let's see. Needless sacrificial death. Um, so, all right, I have a question. For you guys. Question. Uh, yes, a, a question. You heard me. <laughs> Did he have to keep up the loop? Uh, here's what I mean by that. Yes. Here's, here's the question. Was the doctor's death sacrificial? I'm sorry. Was it what? a needless sacrificial death? No. Okay. Let me explain. Couldn't the doctor, when he realized that door number 12, room number 12, was a trap, when he realized that, couldn't he have done the thing where he runs to the other end of the tower and gets the veil to chase him all the way there? And then he knows he has, what was it, 88 minutes? 82. Or, 82 minutes. Of course, that was the maximum. But he knows he, he would have X number of minutes, right? Run back to room 12 and then do the thing. 
Why, why did he have to stay in there until the veil trapped him? Because uh, once, once the veil gets in there, he's trapped because he can't get around the veil without being touched, which I have an argument about that too. Well, he didn't even really know what would happen if it touched him. So my knew well he didn't want to be touched by it. Well, that's for sure. My question is, how is this a loop? Because it's not uh, like it's not a loop. It's not like actual time travel, but it seems like no, he's it, doing the same things it, every single time. Yes, it yeah. is not a time loop because time is not repeating itself. It's he will he's react doing, it's very like, similarly. Yeah. So his thought process exactly the same every time, though. Well, okay, so. One of the things that got explored in an interview with Stephen Moffat was that we only get to see, really, we get to see one trip through the loop. And then we get True. to see the main events we get to see, of every other. Yeah. And just because the, the events montage are similar version. doesn't yep. mean they're the same. Correct. Yeah. And when we see him for the first time, we are seeing him 7,000 years down the road. Yeah. Because he says... The stars look like they're 7,000 years in the future, right? So he's already been there for 7,000 years, yeah. which raises, by the way, raises a whole series of questions which have been debated on Reddit and other forums and all kinds of things where somebody established that the upper limit, um, based off of some really weird math and some interesting assumptions, um, he said that the absolute upper limit for the time that a loop could possibly be is something like 70 years. And that's that's like the the upper limit. In other words, it wasn't probably seventy years per time, but that's the maximum that it could have been. Yeah. Because by the time and he based it loosely off of how many skulls you saw that first time when he went underwater, yeah. and he said seven thousand years. Mm-hmm. And basically, he's like, he said, let's say there's a hundred skulls. He's like, there's obviously more, but let's say the minimum you could see on screen, it has to be at least a hundred. So if you, you know, 7,000 years divided by, divided by 100, you get 70 years. Um, somebody else did a minimum that it could be. And I, I didn't get a chance to really look at that and see how long that that was. But it's at least several days, right? Yeah. yeah. It feels to me like it's supposed to be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Yeah, I was thinking two now, months. Probably. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the, about the loop that Stephen Moffat explained is that the loop was getting tighter every time because – Presumably, because he was leading himself on, he was leaving himself clues, which yeah. makes you wonder how long did it take for him to even get to room twelve for the first and, time? And that's the thing. Maybe is, we were seeing the first time he made it to room no, because it was already punches in the wall. But right, Moffat said that by the time he discovered room twelve was important, he was ancient. He had been there for years, and he doesn't define it any more than that. But he says he was really old by then, ancient even. So he'd been around for a long time trying to figure what the crap was going on the first time and then began to realize through each trip through the loop, I've got to speed this up. So started leaving himself clues. That begs the question, how did he figure out bird being some random code word? Because it's obviously a, a story slash poem that means a lot to him. Yeah. And he's standing in front of a diamond wall. No, no, no. No, no the no, no, word no. bird uh-huh. opening up that stairwell so that he could look at the stars. Wait, what? That was not what happened. No. Him saying the word bird did not make that door slide open. So that was just random. It opened I think, I like think, motion or whatever. Like, I think the you, gear started turning or something. Like I think it was just know. it was a switch up in the in the like, in the tower. Like when he walks up to the door, the door's open. The only thing that ever causes the tower to shift is when is that the, when he freezes the veil. Thing. Yeah. But you're not know, listening. Why he would he write the word the doors, bird at all? They open. So Trip says it's just motion sensor. Yeah. I don't know. We're in a freaking magic castle that uses yeah. gears to turn literal stone. So but I don't. There's also see. video cameras in the veil. I'm saying. I don't see why screens. it can't be freaking word detection as well. Like, okay, it could be, but th- you're arguing for something and then saying, but why that? So I don't know what your point is. Um, so here's the thing is uh, Moffat says that the loop was getting tighter and tighter and tighter because he was essentially, he was getting better at figuring it out because he was leaving mm. himself better and better clues, essentially. Um, 
But what I what I'm saying is, if that's the case, then why does he always when he remembers? Which, by the way, I have a problem with that. Why does he suddenly remember? He doesn't. I, I was not under the impression that he does. No, that's the thing. I, this is the fourth time I've seen this episode. It is the first time I ever noticed he started saying, "I remember." And he said, I remember all the time. What? And it's really weird because the first time you watch it and you don't know what's happening, you don't know that he's that he's stuck in a loop. It sounds like he's saying, it sounds like he's just gone a little cuckoo. And he's like, I remember. And he's like, remember what? But when you're thinking about what's happening, he says, I remember all the times. So for some reason, in that moment, I guess like seeing the diamond wall and remembering bird and all of this stuff, like all of a sudden something clicks. And when that clicks, it's like it unlocks all the memories because as we find out in the next episode, which you guys haven't, haven't seen yet, obviously he says he remembers all of it. So for some uh, reason, yeah, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I, I can't figure out why, but he does. And so my thought is when all of a sudden he remembers all 7,000 years, why doesn't he run the crap out of that room and then lure the veil away and then run back and start punching for a few, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or however long he's got and then do it again and then come back again? Why does he do that? Why go through uh, the torturous death and then How the much ignorance? would that really buy him though? Like, okay, A, it would buy him a torturous death. He wouldn't have to keep dying. Yeah, it wouldn't be a torturous death, but it would freaking, he would be sitting there punching at this freaking indestructible, I keep saying freaking, I don't yeah, know why, but, but he would have to punch at this indestructible wall for what, millennia to get all the way through it, constantly running around trying to I think the word is technically away. eons, because we're talking about billions of years, but he's not, he's going to do that either way. So who cares? And he's going to remember all of it. Yeah, yeah. When he gets to that point, he's going to have the memories of the previous, however many millennia, centuries, eons, whatever. Yeah. So go back. So who get cares the shovel, if you remember? Ching, ching, ching. Well, okay. Yeah. There's that. So I, I just I don't understand. I feel like this falls in the category of the needless sacrificial death because he the okay sort of sort of the needless sacrificial death is not plugging himself up to the teleporter to power the teleporter and bring himself back. The needless sacrificial death is standing there and letting the veil catch him every time. Yeah. I cannot reconcile that in my head. Well, And I don't think we talked about this last time because none of this dawned on me until this time. Honestly, I think it's more to do with the metaphors about death where like he knows he can't run from this thing forever. Eventually it is going to like, finally catch up to him and it will get him no matter how long he runs from then it. Then crawl to the teleporter then. Because he remembers yeah. crawling yeah. to the teleporter. Right, like, okay, so evade him as long as you can and if, oops, you get caught, then you'll remember that next time. You won't and, do that next time. Oh, and that's how and, he figured out how long it'll take him to get up the tower. Because he already knew it. Because uh, his previous self already knew it. Right, no. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So, I don't know. It's just, it, it is interesting to think that... um to, to, to keep in mind that he kept getting better at solving it and was spending less and less time in each loop. So I just, I'm like, why in four and a half billion years of trying this, did he not ever come to the conclusion, I don't have to die every time. I can just mm. avoid him, avoid the veil. Why didn't he ever like trap the veil in that inner courtyard thing where the, where, the, where he dug up the, the tile? You know, I don't know. It's well, just, you say that, but I don't yeah. think it can be easily trapped because he locked himself in there. It went away and then came out through the ground. <laughs> came through the dirt. Yeah, so, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, that is probably the, the freakiest part of the episode. And just was, strange. Like, how did that thing I was just get there? That was just monster movie stuff. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, no, no logic, no explanation. It just happened. So. Uh, let's see. Other stuff we noticed. Um, he discovers the note to himself. I am in 12. And so his room number matched his incarnation number, just like 11's room number in the God complex. Mm. Y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Isn't yeah. he 13 or something? Some uh, weird math. He's actually 14. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's ac- no, he, actually he's one. Well, yeah. <laughs> because one of a new generation of who knows how many reincarnations. 11 was yeah. actually 13 because of the war doctor and tenants aborted uh, re- uh, 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 regeneration. So 11 was 13. And then he was granted a new, new, gen- new regeneration cycle. So he's actually one. Oh, Which yeah. Which makes Jody two. Two mm. B. <laughs> uh, but no, they, they, even though, even though they've done all that, um, they've just said, we're sticking with the numbering. Yeah. Not the only time, by the way, not the only time that something's going to come up where everybody goes, well, I guess then the fourth doctor wasn't the fourth doctor. And, you know, like, okay, mm. calm down. Um, okay. So I have, um, under other stuff we noticed, um, I want to I want to read you something that uh, is from a couple of years back. Okay, it's from a guy named Parker. As your friendly neighborhood physics major, I decided to calculate this with a few you assumptions. Didn't, you didn't ask the question, man. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to lead in better. Uh, if kinetic energy is converted into thermal energy, how hard do I have to slap a chicken to cook it? <laughs> so Parker says, as your friendly neighborhood physics major, I decided to calculate this with a few assumptions. The formula con- for converting between kinetic energy and thermal energy is one half mv squared equals mct. The average human hand weighs about 0.4 kilograms. The average slap has a velocity of 11 meters per second or 25 miles per hour, which dang. <laughs> um, an average rotisserie chicken <laughs> weighs one kilogram, two pounds, has a specific heat capacity of uh, 2,720 joules per, per kilogram times C. Is that right? Yeah, time C. Okay. And let's assume the chicken has to reach a temperature of 205 C or 400 degrees Fahrenheit for us to consider it cooked, which by the way, it don't. It only Mm. has to reach 165 degrees. But anyways, 165 uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, The chicken will start off frozen, so 0 C or 32 Fahrenheit. One average slap would generate a temperature increase of 0.0089 degrees Celsius. It would take 23,034 average slaps to cook the chicken. To cook the chicken in one slap, you'd have to slap it with a velocity (laughs) of 3,725.95 miles per hour or 1,665.65 meters per second. (laughs) The more you know. I'm so glad I know that. This is how I felt about the idea of the doctor literally punching through something 400 times stronger than diamond. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think four billion years was long enough at the rate he was punching it. I just wrote that. Corbin went to bananas. Yeah, Corbin took it upon himself. I tried. I've never even taken a (laughs) physics class, so, I mean, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but... All that being said. All that being said. Let's have some fun. I haven't written this down or anything, so I'm going to have to... No, not at all. But, um, so a diamond takes 1,220 gigapascals of compressive force in order to crack. I guess. I don't actually know. Okay. But, um, so it's 400 times that. I did, let me see if I yeah, can because, find Okay, numbers. so, um, as, as Bantium, I think it was called, yeah. um, was 400 times stronger than Diamond, is, is what we were given, uh, as, this is what the doctor said. I mean, basically, really, really strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pascal's, in order to figure out Pascal's, we can use newtons of force over meters squared, and meters squared being the area that is delivering that fist. force. <laughs> well, yeah. So in this scenario, or your, or your open hand it would be my slapping. fist. Actually, we're slapping, so it's your open hand. Well, for a chicken, but in this scenario, the doctor's <laughs> punching. Oh, right, it. right, 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 right. Right, we're punching, yeah. the, punching the diamond, not slapping the <laughs> 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 Punching the diamond, not slapping the chicken. Yeah, that's right. So I made a few generous assumptions. I used my own fist, which is much smaller than Capaldi's, I'm sure, because he's a full-grown man and I'm not. I also he's assumed... Also not a short guy. He's pretty yeah, big he's dude. pretty big. Anyways. I also used, like, the punching strength of a boxer. So, so the I, two love, I love that combination. Like Mike Tyson's pounds per square inch concentrated into your fist. Yeah. <laughs> like probably a knockout blow to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Put you're your gonna, nose out through the back of your skull. Yeah, you're going to be having it bad. So uh, the punch is 2,500 
newtons, my hand is 0.003 meters squared, which is an absolutely ridiculous way to measure your hand. But um, <laughs> so hang on, let me. See I was gonna say, can we jump ahead to how many how many punches would it take? So what was that first number you came up with? Just just to crack, like the front bit that he's punching. Yeah, five hundred and eighty five million punches. Okay, five hundred and eighty five million punches would be how many punches it takes just to crack any part of that. Yeah. I don't even know how to get started on that. And actually, that was for diamond, wasn't it? No, no, I calculated for whatever the crap they called a... Asbantium. Asbantium. Um, So, okay, so what was it? 585 million? Mm -hmm. Okay, so 585 million punches just to get any result from the front end of that thing. Yeah. And I mean, we, if you add up all the times we saw him punch, it might've been 20, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Um, And, and so that kind of puts into perspective why all of a sudden we're ticking away billions of years, because that, that's what it takes just to make a dent or something. We don't even know. Like, we don't know what that, 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 that 585 million punches results in, but you got to do that for 20 feet of that material. Also, he wasn't making a small, small hole either. That was a hole he right. could comfortably walk through. He could through. stand up in. What yeah. is he, like six foot two? Why <laughs> did he make it that big? <laughs> well, he had to have room to punch. I, or we he, were joking around earlier about, about how there must have been some times that we didn't see in the montage where he was kicking because it's cleared all the way down to the floor. I know. <laughs> what, we, what he could have done is started at the floor, punch it, He's just and then crawl cutting. through it. So yeah, I that's probably what he should have done. And then I the guess. thing couldn't even get to him. Oh, yeah, there you go. So I mean, That's right, have- yeah, he was carving a hallway, not only that he could fit through, but also that the veil could fit into. So I did, I did though, enjoy how they, they gradually showed that yeah. of him, you know, barely making anything. And then all of a sudden, like, he's, he's standing, you know, somewhat inside of it. And then he's, like, down the hall, yeah. you know, in this 20 feet of Asbantium or whatever. And, and you see how that allows him to... Uh, to get a little bit more of this poem out. But as Corbin pointed out, like there was one time where he's like, it's been 10,000 years. And then the next time we see it is it's been 12,000 years. And he was able to say one more word. And then we see it's like 25 million years. And he has said no additional words. <laughs> it's like, what, did you get to a really tough part of the Asbantium there? Or like what happened? So um, was it was definitely interesting. And I love the way that... I keep calling it a poem. I don't know if it really is a poem or just a short story or whatever. I love the way it unfolds and it just sort of sucks you in because he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. And then finally they trickle the yeah. rest of it out. And, uh, and the, the, the big payoff there, um, of that final line was, was really awesome. Um, so yeah, so that's, that brings it down to who's who. So who is Clara? So first of all, she's a figment of his imagination this week. She mm. is not there. Why? She did. She did. <laughs> she but did. the actor Simply. is still getting paid to be in the role, so that's nice. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, the doctor says the hardest day isn't the day you lose someone. At least you have something to do, which presumably <laughs> would be grieve. And I don't think the doctor right. does that, really. Yeah. Um, he says it's all the days they stay dead. Ouch. Sad. Sad doctor. What has it been, like three minutes? <laughs> like... <laughs> like for his actual perspective, a week? No, because he's been there for a while. He's been there, but he hasn't remembered that. So he literally. No, 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 no I'm no. saying he's been in the castle Even that time through the loop. Oh, when, when he he's said it that, that time, he's okay. been there for a few. He transported in a few days ago. That's yeah. true. Yeah, regardless of how many times he's been through the loop, he's been there for a few days. Uh, let's see. He said, "Oh, oh." The way that we see her throughout this episode, the Wikia pointed this out, is the way that the doctor last saw her. She's wearing the same outfit oh. and she's facing away. Oh, so and sad. I never oh. thought about why is it we don't see her face? I thought it was just, you know, sort of a creative choice or whatever. Yeah. But the Wikia said that that is how he last saw her. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I hate the idea of the doctor's last image of Clara being her turned away from him. Oh, Not yeah. even seeing her face. So sad. You know? Yeah. Very, very sad. Uh, so that brings us to who is the doctor, which is really what this episode is about. Um, you want to talk about, you know, 
uh, companion light. Practically episode. a character piece just for him, really. Uh, it absolutely, <laughs> absolutely is. Um, he th- just starts off real strong. Um, if you think because she's gone, I'm weak, then you know very little. If you were any part of killing her and you're not afraid, then you know nothing at all. I am the doctor. I'm coming to find you, and I will never, ever stop. Scary. Dang. It's kind of like when you told a shielder, um, the, you'll find the universe is a very, very small place when I'm angry with you. It's like, oh, gosh, I don't want the doctor to be angry with me. What that? Uh, he hates gardening. Mm-hmm. What? He really got angry at gardening. <laughs> like, Yeah, what did he, yeah. he was like uh, uh, having power over... Uh, the the unintelligent or something like that yeah. is like uh, it's a, a weak form of dictatorship or that is to say dictatorship. <laughs> Gardening is just a microcosm of a being a dictator. Yeah. Interesting. Okay then. Right. <laughs> Never gardening uh, again. He has that line: "The doctor will see you now," which uh, the eleventh doctor said to the Atraxi in the eleventh yeah. hour. He kind of you know a little bit of a calling calling out the baddie of the week who wouldn't show themselves. Uh, he has the line, uh, finally run out of corridor. Well, there's a life summed up. <laughs> as, as a metaphor, that definitely works. Yeah. That's half of his job. Um, he just realized he's actually scared of dying. That's interesting. You know, I mean, like, give, okay, so given the way we saw Clara being the most doctor that a human can be, yeah. and part of that was being reckless and seeming to be fearless of death, uh, turns out the doctor is afraid of death. He acts like he's not all the dang time. Yeah. Um, and I guess you can only kind of be afraid of death if you can regenerate. But presumably, he, for whatever reason, he has an inkling that this thing, if it kills him, he's dead, dead. I don't know mm. why he knows that, but he does. Uh, oh, speaking of dying, rule one of dying, don't. <laughs> rule two. Very simple. Rule two, slow down. Um, he goes into sort of that slow mode during the free fall and... Um, he, he assumes, essentially what he tells us is, he assumes he survived and then imagines himself gloating to his companion about the amazing <laughs> way he escaped. I love the, the second time he does this, where he's like, you know, don't you want to hear my plan of how I escaped? I can't wait to hear what I say. Um, you know, that, <laughs> um, Clara actually mentioned this in The Witch's Familiar. She said that he always assumes he'll survive. And yeah. that's why he always does. I thought that was, that was great. Um, oh gosh, it was that heartbreaking line after he, after he hits the water and he just sort of like gets knocked out. He says mm. he's in his mind palace in the TARDIS and he says, can't I just sleep? Do I have to know everything? And I'm like, do you know who you are? <laughs> of course you have to know everything. Like, but that was, that was really interesting because yes, he does have to know everything, but apparently sometimes even he is like, dang, yeah. do I have to know everything? I really just don't care anymore. Yeah. Can't, can't I just sleep? Um, as Tripp said, he said he's uh, not scared of hell. I, it's just heaven for bad people. <laughs> what? Hang on. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? I mean, yeah, but no. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. Very well put, son. Well put. Um, when he um, okay, yeah. So I mentioned this before. When he finally finally realized what happened. Uh, what was happening, he remembered each time through. I We've already rehashed this, but I never did notice this before. Um, and when when there was this dramatic zoom in on him, when he was like, oh, I, I what? All of a sudden I went, wait a minute, is he remembering everything? So I paid very, very close attention. And yes, he actually said, I remember, I remember all the time. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't, that's I not, don't get it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it. it even would have made sense for him to remember all of it at the end when he's finally done because yeah like it's a copy of him stored in data right to be teleported in except that it's this is all happening in the confession dial that's the only thing that makes any of it make any sense is that it's not happening out in the the regular universe is that actually a confession dial is that what that thing is what do you mean that's what he said it is i don't understand your question i just at the end of the last episode I was a little confused because he's like, oh, here's my confession dial. It's my last will and testament. So that name doesn't yeah. really make sense. And then yeah, I didn't think, oh, and then they teleport him inside of his own confession dial to right. torture him for a billion years. What? I d- yeah. No. I don't- to get him to confess there- what was in the confession dial. I think... A shoulder was trying to put him in some sort of prison, which this is some sort of prison. But 
a shielder, a shielder was acting under orders. Yeah. She was told to put that teleportation device on him and to get his confession dial. And if she did that, the street would stay safe. Presumably this all happened at the behest of the, of the, uh, the time Lords. But, mm. um, I don't remember a ton about the next episode. How did the confession and, dial end up in the desert on Gallifrey? Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think we got to wait until the next episode to, to get some more answers on that. Uh, the story about the bird was from the Grimm brothers. I didn't, I don't remember that before. Um, I did love the line. They were on his dark team. <laughs> yeah. Trip just rolled his eyes with so much contempt. He's about to be murdered by some unknown force while he's trying to punch through a wall of 400 times strong And he's bragging about the Brothers Grimm being on his dart team. Yeah, oh, well, of course. Who cares? (laughs) Of course. Who are you telling this? The Veil? He doesn't care. He's going to kill you. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, guys. Noobs in the Whovian is also brought to you by... Uh, listeners like Victor, Jared, and James, if you, like they, find value in what we do, and you want to give a little bit of value back, here's what you can do. Head over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support, and just click on something. Just do something. Look, it's it's a new year. Your budget's all restarted. Uh, you know, things are going great. And what were you going to do with that dollar anyway, as we've said before? Why not support family-friendly independent media? Why not? Why not be a part of what's going on here? So head over to uh, noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. Become a Patreon uh, member. Um, go go for broke and 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 do $5 a month and get a shout out on the show every week. Or go for 15 a month and be a hosting host. You can actually appear on the show one time. Um, whatever you want to do. You can also just click on something, uh, click on an ad, uh, buy something through our Amazon link, um, those kinds of things. By the way, we're coming up on uh, needing, needing to turn BritBox back on again. Uh, so if you haven't ever done that before, um, make sure that you use our link and uh, won't change your price at all, but it will help out the show just a little bit. So once again, noobsandhoobian.com slash support, become a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media today. Uh, can we talk about the stages of grief, Corbin? Uh, this is something I mentioned because I feel like we're kind of going through that with the doctor right now. Cause last episode at the very end was very much him in denial. He was <clears throat> absolutely not going to let Clara die and right. he was trying to do everything in his power to stop it. Right. This episode, he walks out of the thing and just monologues at no one in the most <laughs> compassionate and angry way possible it's ridiculous so i'm just pointing this out in case this is something that continues like each episode he goes through another stage and i'll just list them off right now it's denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance so i guess next week would be bargaining maybe denial anger bargaining uh Depression and acceptance. Depression and acceptance. Right. Writing those in so we can uh, sort of track them a little bit. So um, did you have anything else to, to say about that or? Not really because, I mean, so far it's just these things have happened. But I feel like they're kind of trying to do that Yeah. with it. So Yeah. And you mentioned something about um, the, the opening monologue about death. That opening narration. It's just that's very different having seen the last episode because every other time I've seen this, I didn't have that context. Yeah, yeah. And it's like there is a lot to do with death and like metaphors about death and whatnot. Right. That. Yeah, it's it. The episode stands alone just fine, but it does hit a little different. Yeah. When, when you've come off the the heels of Clara's death. Um, it really does um, add some depth to the episode and to the character that we, you know, that we didn't get the first couple of times through this. So, for sure. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll track the uh, the stages of grief. See if the doctor um, is going to march through those here. Would would we say that we've seen him do that before? I don't really know. Yeah. I've never paid attention to something like that. But just how aggressive he was in this episode really yeah. struck me. So oh yeah. Yeah, it was the doctor off his chain. And you know what it is? It that's the doctor on his own. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's the the Time Lord Victorious, you know, from Tenant's time. You know, when he's traveling around too long on his own, he kind of goes a little cuckoo. So um, that was that was sort of the whole point behind um, Donna. You know, you, you don't need to be alone out there. You need somebody with you. All right, so that brings us down to our classic Who Connections. Let's hear what Jared's got to bring to the table this week. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your classic Who Connections for Heaven Sent. I feel like it just got a sense of deja vu. I, I don't know why, but anyway, uh, very short one today. Uh, we've first of all we've got a retcon from clear back in 1969 uh, that the second Doctor in the serial The War Games said that he left Gallifrey because he was bored. Now the he says the Doctor says the real reason is that he was scared. Uh, so it's. Pretty amazing, going clear back to 1969 and, and changing something that the Doctor has actually confirmed multiple times, and, and now we're, we're changing that. But the Doctor is being honest for once. So, okay, I guess this is what we believe now. Uh, interestingly enough, that, that uh, serial, The War Games, it's, it's a long one. I think there's like six episodes in that serial, but it's one of my favorites. It's definitely my favorite of The Second Doctor. Um, one of my favorites uh, of, of Classic Who. And uh, it's the first time we see the sonic screwdriver. And it's just, it's got a great storyline. So uh, I'd go back and watch it if you have a BritBox subscription uh, or some other way to watch it. So, all right. The other thing I, I've, I've got is uh, that in the serial, The Five Doctors, another great serial to watch uh, from Classic Who, the master calls a skeleton in the death zone, and I don't want to spoil too much, so we'll just leave it at that, the death zone. Uh, and so he finds a skeleton in the death zone, and he calls it his predecessor, much like the doctor did in this uh, episode with the skull that he found. So that's it. That's all I got. Just the two. Uh, not not a whole lot of classic Who links there or connections. But still, uh, wonderful episode. Really loved it. Uh, this is, I think, the third time I've seen it. And I, 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 the more I see it, the more I like it. It's one of those. The more I think about it, I, I like the... Um, I, I like the story that they developed there and the way they do kind of a, it's kind of a giant, you know, monologue, one person show. Um, and it's clever the way they, they play that out and, and make it, uh, make it work. And then creep levels, uh, I'm going to go with 200 creep levels. There are some creepy parts, uh, creep, creepiness about it just in general. Um, oh, sorry. Nine out of 10. Speaking of creep levels, nine out of 10 skull filled lakes. <laughs> so... There's my there's my rating there, uh, but yeah, creep levels, skull filled lake, kind of creepy. Uh, the just the the fly the flies going around uh, that, that and and hearing them first, knowing that it's coming after you, and any sort of uh, monster or creature or baddie that slowly uh, stalks its prey is always creepy to me. It doesn't have to hurry because it knows it will get you in the end. So I uh, that that's uh, that's always creepy to me too. So that's all I got. Thank you to the TARDIS Wikia and thank you to Noobs and the Whovian for having me on. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who Connections next time. All right. So uh, Jared's like, yeah, there wasn't much this week for a bottle episode with only one character. Yeah. The fact that, we, <laughs> the fact yeah. that we've got any kind of callbacks was uh, was pretty amazing. And there were some callbacks to New Who stuff as well. So yeah. that, was, that was fun. Uh, so Jared gave it nine out of ten skull filled lakes. <laughs> but, uh, that's got to be yeah. some nasty um, By the water. way, I think I've said this before. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it bothers me to no end when a skull that has no flesh on it whatsoever has the jaw attached. It just drives yeah. me bonkers. Also, why was the skull left if the room resets? And also, why was just the skull left, especially because that's where he attached the thing to? Uh, yeah, <laughs> where, yeah. The in- where the energy would have been, been concentrated like the most. A pinky toe Every or something. Th- <laughs> That would be so funny. That would have been less uh, dramatic and yeah. and creepy. It's like, ugh, a little toe. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a toe or a pebble? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to touch it. Yeah, I did. I did wonder about that too. There's not a <clears throat> skeleton left. There's just the skull. And also, again, the rooms reset, but whatever. Uh, well, there were some things that didn't reset. There were some things that he did like that didn't shovel. reset. Uh, yeah, but the in shovel. the same hallway as the shovel, his blood did reset. 
yes. Um, the chalk arrows that he drew to the tile in the center of the one room that stayed. Was missing. The fact that he buried the tile, that Why stayed. Why did he bury the tile? Why did he bury the tile to begin with? Just leave it on top of the mound of dirt. Uh... Or for that matter, write it on the ground where you drew the arrows. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah there's a lot of that. I don't. I don't understand. Um, the doctor being needlessly they, they wanted it to be a mystery. Yeah, and then yeah. it had to be. Oh, but the doctor set up all these clues for himself. Right. So. Um, yeah, he he painted uh, the painting of of Clara. We talked about that last time we covered this. Yeah. Um, what did I, he paint it with, though? Uh, presumably paint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, where did he get the paint? I don't know. He um, pulled out one of his nine million pockets. Oh, that's true. There's no telling what all he had in the pocket. Yeah, because I wondered where he got the food. Where was he getting the soup from? His pockets, I guess. I, yeah. I or know. it's like there's a kitchen and like there were a it lot of really strange. So he's eating the same like three cans of soup. It's the same cans of soup. <laughs> re- repopulating every time he walks out of the room. Uh, so the real important question that we haven't addressed either time we've covered this episode now is. Was there a bathroom in the tower and did it reset? That's <laughs> y'all are just like uh, you just pee out the window and it the peed light. out the window. So if you just, jump if you jump out of the tower and go into the middle, there's a pile of skulls. If you jump out and go to the outer side, it's just poop. It's all <laughs> uh, by the way, there wasn't an ocean there when you started. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Corbin got there. Uh, Corbin got there. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> you look out, it's yellow. Why is there a yellow sheen on the ocean? <laughs> I mean, he did say it smelled salty. Uh, wow. That's because it's ocean water. Uh, no, it's pee. Anyways, no, I don't know. Is pee salty? I don't know why I thought that. Anyway. <laughs> Dang. Sweat is salty, so presumably so is pee. I don't think it is. No. Think it is. Hey, what about ratings? Um. So uh, Jared gave it nine out of ten. Skullfield Lakes. Uh, I'm just gonna go first. Uh, I am. I love this. I love this episode. It is. It is definitively my favorite Twelfth Doctor episode. Mm. Absolutely my favorite. Um, maybe. I mean, I would put. The, I would easily put this in like my top five of all Doctor Who that I've seen. Um, With all that said, it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not you. Or excuse me, the polar opposite of you. Yeah. Where you're like, this episode was kind of terrible. I didn't really like it. It didn't make a lot of sense. And it wasn't very fun. 15. So I'm only going to give it 9.2. Uh, yeah, 15. Uh, I am going to give this uh, 10 cracked Clara paintings. Aww. 10 out of 10 cracked Clara paintings. Sad. Who's up? Corbin? Uh, noises. <laughs> here's my time to talk about my one pet peeve that oh I haven't boy. gotten to speak about yet. What's that? He does all this stuff oh to boy. figure out the gravity on the planet, the distance to the water, the wind resistance. He smells the salt so that it, he knows there's sea down below. And literally all he does is just go into a dive position yeah. and fall into the sea. Yeah, that's Why did true. he have to do any of that other stuff. He didn't. So <laughs> if memory serves, when you're doing extreme high diving like that, you're supposed to slow yourself down by fanning out. I know that, but yeah, like, no, no, no. But there's, there's also a technique to when you hit the water, I think you actually are supposed to do something with your hands where you like actually kind of like tear the water open or something like break the surface tension essentially. And so maybe that's what he was going for. But I also think at that height, you're also supposed to go in feet first. Well, not not even first. to mention Head first. That's why he freaking passed out when he went in there. Right. But like <laughs> right. why did he have to do all that when he literally could have used his eyeballs to look at the ocean? Well he couldn't though, because he was as he was going down, it was all foggy and stuff. So he didn't he couldn't see the water. He didn't even know it was foggy, okay? You can't tell me he knew it was foggy <laughs> down near the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a I bit just, it's a bit much, but it's definitely a great opportunity to see the doctor show off. I, I did like the line, oh, am I spoiling the magic? Yeah, it kind of felt like set up for what he would do later on in the episode with this like s- slowing down or speeding up my thought process, whatever he was doing, right, yeah. so that he can like yeah. 
figure out how to get out of situations. I'm like, you really didn't need to do it in this case. You just kind of go in feet first, hope your legs don't break, and you're, uh, it's about all you really can do. Right. Uh, but that's, that's not like a big thing. I'm still going to say uh, 9 out of 10 gravity-defying flies. <laughs> gravity-defying? Those things just freezing in midair. Oh! <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like... Flying. I was, like, I was like, no, Corbin. Flies can fly. That's where they get their name. No, they That's were literally what they, they get were literally name. hovering in midair. <laughs> no, I got you. Okay, Trip. What about you? I think I'm gonna agree with Dad. I'm gonna go <gasps> ten out of ten. This was a really good um, episode. I like the poem. I like how they used that. Yep. There was a little bit of weird stuff with the rooms resetting, but it's mostly yeah. meh. I don't know. I liked seeing the doctor like. Ready to go kill the world and the universe and stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go kill everything. But, you know, he's not going to do anything about it. Right. Yeah, like Clara said, your, yeah. your uh, rampage would end at the sight of the first crying child. Yeah. And you know it. Yeah. So 10 out of 10 diamond mountains. Nice. Because who doesn't want a diamond mountain? I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared also gave it 200 out of 500 creep levels um, I'm going to go with 300 uh, because that veil thing <laughs> everything about it is creepy except yeah. for the gears when Pretty you find fun. out it's literally just like four yeah, gears that was, <laughs> that was weird I didn't understand yeah. that reveal really when it yeah, breaks I apart think, it's literally because three later gears. on when we see the confession dial closing up it's all gears that does make sense. There was just a gear. You've already theme. shown that, like the castle was made entirely of gears. Exa- exactly. It doesn't matter that the veil was. Yeah, exactly. That so that's the thing, and that it's it's weird, um, but that thing is is creepy. <laughs> I imagine that it has a bad smell. I don't uh. know why, but I, I can smell it. <laughs> um, okay. Then. The like Jared said, the slowly creeping monster is terrifying. Just yeah. relentless. It will not stop. It will, you know, keep coming like the Terminator. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so minus the noises. Um, but also, um, just like I said, when it when it broke through the dirt, that oh was my. all of that scene was horrifying. He's in a grave. Yeah. He's in a grave, guys. And out comes death. And out comes death <laughs> to get him. Yeah. So, uh, 300 out of 500 creep levels. Corbin, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go 200. No one's really mentioned this, but I thought Whoa. this was uh, like the coolest spooky thing they did when he's suddenly able to see himself on those monitors, but he can't figure out where he's being watched from. Oh, that was, yeah. yeah. I thought, that's creepy. I'm like, oh, that's that's actually pretty creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, I said 200. And then you look out the window and you see the dude. Oh, my goodness. I also love that thing must have had really zoomed in vision. Right. Because like <laughs> For sure. they were like yeah. hundreds of feet apart. Who For knows? Sure. Trip, what about you? Uh two fifty, like everything we've mentioned, like slowly creeping. And just I don't know, it's like hunched over. It's yeah. like that looming thing. It's got the nasty and it does, old thing. And it does the walk where it it like Puts its left foot forward and sloughs its right foot forward and then puts its left foot forward and sloughs. It does, it's not walking. It's just like shambling. Um, yeah. So what did you give it? Uh, 250. 250 out of 500. This is this is the highest we've rated an episode on Creep Factor in a long time. Yeah. And this is, yeah. this is like 10 times what you guys have normally been rating. <laughs> Y'all yeah, be like, that's ah, right. 20. Yeah, <laughs> 25. It's Whatever. Who cares? What do you mean killer demons, man? It's a five. <laughs> Whatever. Well, there haven't been many scary episodes recently. Uh, no, there really haven't. There, there really, really haven't. Um, that hasn't been uh, the thing with, with 12 yeah. as much. So uh, so that brings us down to the game plan, guys. Next week, we continue on to episode 12, the season finale, Hellbent. Um, after that, we're doing The Husbands of River Song, featuring... <clears throat> I wonder who. Revelation to Trip. River Song. Uh, this is the uh, Christmas episode. And then if you'll remember, there's a, another Christmas episode. The, the next thing on the DVD is the next Christmas episode because we went 12 months without Doctor Who. Uh, so what we're going to do in between that is we're going to cover uh, Doctor Who the movie. So we'll be uh, doing our final of our classic Who rewinds. Um, we're having a little trouble getting this one nailed down. It appears that it's on BritBox, but I'm not 100% sure yet. When I try and pull it up on BritBox on Amazon, I can't find it to watch. 
So mm. I'm hoping that like when I reactivate BritBox, I'll be able to find it or something. Um, I did, I like, I Googled it and like, I couldn't even find it to buy on DVD in our region. All I could find was region two. In other words, UK DVDs and Blu-rays. So they, they technically and wouldn't be able to play here. How many people from America do you think have even heard of this movie? Uh, not as many as, uh, the BBC wanted. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, it, when I Googled it and was trying to find it, I found it on Britbox.com. So... Mm. I'm not sure what the deal is. Like maybe it doesn't work when you're going through Amazon, but I know I've seen it on Amazon. So at any rate, guys, um, I'm pretty sure that it'll, that it'll work through the Amazon Brit box. If not, we need to turn that back on anyway. Um, so we'll, we'll cut it on and see if it works. Um, after that, we are doing our next timey wimey episode covering Philip K. Dick's 1952 short story, the skull. Like we said, it turns out to be (laughs) rather timely (laughs) that we're covering one called, the skull. Um, this is actually in the public domain, so you can find the free ebook at Project Gutenberg, and we've linked up directly to that book um, on uh, on the website. So head over to newsinthehooving.com and pull up the show notes for episode one thirty eight, Heaven Sent, and you'll see it there. And we'll just keep it in the the show notes until we get um, beyond that. After that, we are doing Doctor Who and the Daleks, which is the Peter Cushing 1965 movie that is apparently a hot pile of garbage. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> that's right. And like I said, the the movie version of The Skull uh, was Peter Cushing in 1965. So it's literally the same year as this one. Yeah. Um, except that um, it's the wrong movie. Yeah. <laughs> it has no time that's travel so in it. Annoying. It's just a, a horror flick. Um, and then after we do that, we'll be uh, into the next Christmas episode, The Return of Dr. Mysterio. Uh, so there is what's coming down the pike. And then we'll be into the next season, the last season for the 12th Doctor. Shed we'll only have one a- sadly lonely world <laughs> tear. <laughs> one lone tear tri- trickles down Tripp's cheek. <laughs> Guys, Noobs and Hooving is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. I'm Trip. The production editor is the other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for the classic Who connections, and shout-outs to Victor, Jared, and James for their Patreon support. You can find us over at NoobsInTheHooving.com, where you can find links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our email, our Patreon, and all of the other stuff like our show notes uh, for this episode and all the other ones, by the way. <laughs> a back catalog of some 150 episodes when you count all the point fives. Wherever you found us, make sure that you subscribe, leave us a rating if possible. I just discovered recently yeah. there's several podcasting platforms that don't allow reviews. What? Mm. Anyways, uh, share us with a friend and uh, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. As always, my name is Austin and I'm the Hoobie and there's my son's Corbin and Trip. And, and we're the news. And until next time, be safe if you can, but always be amazing. Goodbye. I'm not sure if there's bloopers. Be whip. If you happen to be a physics major, please fix my math. Wait, what was the what was the guy's name? Call Parker. <laughs> <laughs>